What's going on, everyone? It's me, Jeff Stainbramage. And I apologize for not being or not giving you guys any shows in a while. It's been a couple weeks. Um, so first off, let me get that out of the way and say I'm sorry. Yes, obviously, it's been a little while. Um, and I think once you see what this show is about, it'll kind of make sense to you maybe why it took that long. Um, this is a very serious show to me uh, because it deals with something I've it's been. And I hate saying this because I hate sounding like a victim, but it's definitely been my crutch, uh, my hindrance for well, pretty much all my life. Um and uh, I am doing this show because I know a lot of people have the same problem. And it has taken down many, many, many stronger, bigger, badder, better people than me. Um, and it's something that never goes away. Uh, it's something that, you know, it's, it's, you can't see it. No, sometimes you can't see it. It's, 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 I, I, I don't like, I, I hate using the word disease because that, that word is really thrown around so much these days and so easily these days. And I think it would be better if, you know, it was called an affliction, um, more than that, uh, you know, and, and, and by doing this, I'm not trying to get attention. I'm not, I'm not, I just, I, I think this is important, man. Like, you know, um, first off, let's go, let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, Anton's been out for a couple weeks. Um, he's had surgery, so he's kind of laid up. So we haven't really been able to do any of our, you know, normal deep dive episodes, but he'll be back soon. Um, I'm giving him enough time where he can kind of heal up and, and, you know, I'm not trying to rush him or trying to get him to do anything where he's not feeling good or, you know, that kind of thing. So I just, you know, so I wanted to do a solo one and I wanted to make it about something that wasn't just a rambling rant that I, that I've done in the past. I wanted it to actually have some sort of structure to it. And I wanted it to be about a subject that I know very, 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 a lot about and I wanted it to relate to other people so I was kind of thinking about this and you know there, there this is a show I've been wanting to do for years actually because it's a subject that I feel very uh I feel very strongly about um and I think there's you know it, 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 the the opinion of it is starting to change a little bit I think people are starting to get a little bit of a better understanding of it over time um and like I said, man, I, I'm going to give some people some, I'm, I'm give you guys some resources at the end that maybe if you need some help out, you know, with stuff, I'll, I'll try to direct you in the right place. Uh, the reason the show took so long is that I was writing a script. Well, first off, I, I did this show. I started off about two weeks ago. I started doing some recordings in my truck and just doing some off the cuff, off the top of my head stuff about it. And it just, it didn't turn out right. You know, I, I do that a lot in life. I start things and I stop and then I, you know, I got kind of I don't know, sidetracked because I'm, I'm working outside and it got really hot out. And uh, I'll just be honest with you guys, you know, um, I'm not getting any money out of this. So honestly, honestly, it is a labor of love. Um, I'm not going to stop doing it. But, you know, sometimes I get a little sidetracked because I do have a job and it, and it takes everything out of me during the summertime to do it. Um, it drains me. So to come here and do this and, and give you guys the, the, 
the, a quality show that I put a lot of effort into it. I just, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I was doing a recording here and a recording there and a recording, you know, an hour here or there. And it's just me ranting. And I just thought to myself, it's like, you guys deserve better than that. So I, I wanted to sit down and write a good script um, and make this a decent show about a very serious topic. And, and like I said, it was it deserves uh, my as, as much uh, serious analysis as I can give it. Um, now I'm not a doctor, obviously, duh. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that takes a lot of, <laughs> I don't think you guys have to deduce a lot to uh, figure that one out. Um, no, um, you know, I, it's just something I've lived with. And, and finally to, 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 you know, let you guys know what it is. It's depression. Uh, I have lived with depression my entire life, pretty much. Um, those that know me quite well know that, yeah, you know, that, <laughs> Um, I can be kind of a depressed guy. Uh, I can get down very easily and I can get down in the dumps and, and it kind of hangs with me. Um, and I go up and down, you know, sometimes it's worse than others. Uh, and you know, the idea for doing this show actually came to me like three years ago. And what happened was, is I, uh, was at a, a, a vape shop by my house and I, the, where the vape shop is located at, it's like on the corner of like a, a strip mall. It's like the end building of a strip mall. It's like in the L shape. And like I said, it's an end shop. And there's not very many parking spaces for said uh, vape shop. You know, it, it, it obviously shares a parking lot. And they're very adamant about, you know, you can only use these certain spaces for the vape shop. You're not supposed to use any of the other parking spaces for it to be. It's supposed to be for the other stores. Um so when I pulled up, I pulled up and I tried to get right in the middle of the parking space as much as I could, right? And um, I, you know, left enough room on both sides and some jerk pulls up right next to me on my left. So on my driver's side, a big old white, huge, gigantic truck, you know, because the guy's got a small pecker. So he felt like he needed to get a gigantic truck to, uh, you know, uh, to um, make up for his small penis. Uh, I Don't try to lie to me, guys. That's a fact, okay? I know some of you guys out there um, are, are trying to compensate for something with your, you know, fast-ass cars or big-ass trucks. Like, dude, why can't you just be yourself? Like, you should be able to be comfortable in a freaking Pinto, you know, um, that's gonna, gonna make your Johnson grow if you have a F-350. So anyways, and I think that's why you have like an F-350 anyways. So he pulls up, pulls up, he leaves me no space to get out of my car. Okay. Um, I go into the shop, I come out, of course, jackass is there and I'm sitting there trying to finagle myself into the freaking car, into my truck. I open the door and I barely and i mean barely rubbed my door on his door i had no choice i couldn't get in the gosh dang car what did he... so anyways this jackass goes dude watch my truck man what the hell i'm like bro you pulled in here i didn't pull you pulled in too close to me whatever like it just and i got in the truck man and i was hurt like i don't know why it rubbed me so raw but it did it really did it rubbed me raw um what he said to me and and just to act that way and it just 
why I'm doing this is because I, I get so upset at the way we treat each other these days. I really do, man. There is no chivalry. There is no respect. There is no courtesy or, you know, decorum or, or being, being honorable. There is none of that left. And some of you people listening to me right now are just as guilty, and you know you are. And it, that aggravates me to no end, that everyone's just comfortable with that. It's like, well, this is a thing of the past, man. You know, the art, honor, you know, that, that's, that's an arbitrary thing. It's like, no, it's not. These are building blocks of society that allow us to communicate with one another, to cooperate with one another. And I guess we're just at a, at a place now where we're done cooperating. We're done you know, trying to live by the golden rule, you know, oh, the golden rule, man, that's something something that was made for a long time ago. I'm not going to give anybody your respect unless they give it to me first. No, you should do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Okay. And I got real depressed when I was talking about it. And I remember I was going to do a YouTube video of it um, because there was a time where I was actually doing YouTube, a couple of YouTube videos, you know, (laughs) I think the only person I ever watched him was my son. <laughs> so, uh, and um, so, uh, yeah, um, I got real sad when I was doing it. Like, I started to cry. Like, I was like, I was tearing up. I was like, how dare someone be like that? You know, just no, even he didn't even try to understand where the hell I was coming from. And, and, you know, that's something I've tried to do in my life is to try to see things from someone else's perspective and not jump out of my shoes and not lose my freaking control when it comes to other people. Yeah, with things in myself, I do. I beat myself up pretty good, but that's why I started this thing, man, is that, is that um, I just felt like the way I felt and the way everybody is, it just needed to be addressed. You know, mental health has become such a, a big, huge byword for today. And, and, you know, mental health, mental health. It's like, we can say these things all we want to, you know, wellness. It, but if we don't actually care about people, it's, it's, it's useless. You know, um, it's like talking about global warming, you know, for those that actually believe it or whatever, and then not doing anything about it. It's like, we need to care about global warming while they're, you know, flying their private jet all over the world. Like, you know, it's, same thing, you know, everybody's just a hypocrite about it. They love saying stuff like wellness and self-love and so all that shit. And then, um, you know, literally uh, cut someone off and give them the finger, you know. Um, and I don't think it's a hard, it's not hard to see that the numbers of depression and suicide are going up dramatically. It's because of the way we treat one another now. Um so yeah, think about that real hard before you decide that, you know, you're superior or you're better than someone. And and I hate that more than anything else, man, is when someone thinks that they're higher and mightier than me because they have a better job or better this or better that. It's like we're all going to the same place. But anyways, that's why that's why I wanted to do this episode is because of that. Um I'm actually in my kid's bedroom right now, too. I'm sitting uh, Indian style, or I'm sorry, Native American. And I'm sorry, that's probably actually uh, a diss these days. So um, I'm just sitting cross-legged on the floor and like my uh, circulation has been cut off. Because when I sit on the ground, guys, I'm perpetually five years old. <laughs> like I can't sit any other way except for like, you know, as they would call back in the day, Indian style. Um I don't know why. I just, it's, it's just something I do. Um, 
But anyways, guys, uh, yeah, so let's uh, we're going to get into it. Uh, you know, like I said, the point of this show is to talk about depression. Um, and look, it's it's been a big part of my life um, and it's been since I was a kid. Uh, and look, there's a little bit of a warning about this show is that there's going to be some dark stuff covered. Okay. And you're going to hear me cry. I guarantee you're going to hear me cry. Okay. Um, and you're going to hear me talk about some real dark stuff. Okay. But I just pray to God, there's someone out there listening that, that maybe can walk back a little bit or just feel like someone cares about them or someone, someone understands them. You know, because most of my life I've gone through my life feeling like no one gave a damn. But anyways, so, um, yeah, uh, and it's hard to for me to admit this, but um, I've had uh, suicidal thoughts since um, I was a little kid, since I was probably about seven or eight years old. Uh, I've had an urge to kill myself. Um, I'm not proud of it. I'm not happy about it, but that's just how my brain has worked. Um, I can't understand it. Uh, I feel like I'm possessed, you know, like that's the overall feeling and it really is crippling. It's like, um, having someone sitting next to you every day of your life, reminding you of all the shortcomings, your faults, your fears, your failures, and you'll literally shake your head and like say like, stop it, stop, stop, you know, try to stop yourself from, from thinking this stuff or saying this stuff. And, um, this, this dark cloud, this darkness, it just speaks louder. Like you tell it to shut up, you tell it to, 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 to you know, to, to quiet down or shut up, you know, stop it. But the, it just starts speaking louder. But the thing is, it's a whisper. <laughs> it's louder, but it's a whisper. It's just, it's in, the, it's in your ear, just whispering to you. You know, um, it's always in your ear, your head, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the thing is, you don't think that anyone else has the darkness, or at least they ignore it and, and you know, they they can deal with it. And you think to yourself, you know, why me? Uh, what did I do, God? And I'm, I'm really just, I say, you know, what did I do? Uh, just make this, I, you pray to God, you know, make this stop. Please make this stop. Um, some days you just want to end it all, you know. And uh, I've had to many times pull myself away, you know, from, from that urge to, to end it, you know. And because of, uh, you know, God and my family and my friends, I've been uh, successful at stopping that last and final act of my life. And I pray, God, I pray that my kids don't have to carry this, that they don't have to have this. 
But listen, I'm going to invite you guys to be the uh, observer and listener to this very, very personal, intimate episode of Dame Bramage. And again, if this is a trigger for you or, you know, you, you can't listen to something like this because it's just too much and I'm not trying to be, look, I'm not trying to be overdramatic. I'm not trying to whatever um, because some people just really like they don't want to let themselves drift back into that darkness. You know, some people feel they have defeated it. I personally believe you never defeat it, that it's something you just live with. But if you feel like you can't listen to this, I understand. Or if you feel like this is too much or I don't, you know, honestly, I don't give a shit. If you, if you, I give a shit about the people that actually, you know, need help or, or, or have this thing about them and have this darkness, as I've called it. That's what I wanted to call the episode is the darkness. Um, and, and you know, they, they live with it and they struggle with it like that. This is what this, that's who this episode is for. It's a, or for people that know people like that and they don't, they can't understand why they're like that because they're not. Um, that's who this episode is for, you know, and, 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 if you're one of those people who's like, oh, man, that's a buzzkill. Oh, man, this is it's too dark. It's too deep. Well, you know, okay. Then you should probably listen to something about puppy dogs and fairy tales. I, I don't know, you know. Um, but this is this is something I, I just wanted to do. Uh, get this out of the way. Get this, like, make this one of my solo episodes that actually means something, you know, to someone. So, anyways, uh you know, I'm, I'm letting you guys in on to be part of this thing, this me and that dark passenger. Well, I don't like calling it dark passenger because that's like a psychopath, which I'm not. But to be part of this with me and this darkness that hovers over me, um, I'll let you guys in on the world of it and tell you guys some facts about it. And uh, I hope you guys can pick something up from this. So anyways, uh, when we come back. Uh, we'll start getting into it. And away we go. So, um, so the history of depression, of course, you guys know I was going to get into that, some history stuff. So the history of depression is as long, really, as the written history itself. Um, and I've got this off of, uh, very well mind.com. It's called the history of depression. Okay. So we're going to start off with, uh, when was depression discovered? So when was the first case of depression? The earliest written accounts of what is now known as depression appeared in the second millennium BCE in Mesopotamia. So for those of you that don't know what Mesopotamia is, we're talking like, like the Iraq area, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, parts of uh, Iraq <laughs> um, and some other areas. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> just as much as I know. Um, in these writings, depression was discussed as a spiritual rather than a physical condition. Like other mental illnesses, it was believed that to be caused by demonic possession. As such, it was dealt with by priests rather than physicians. 
Um, and I guess I can understand that. Like I said earlier, like you feel like you're possessed. Like you feel like something has come over you. Like when you have this depression, when you're really down in the dumps, man, um, you really feel like you're just being driven by some force inside of you. Uh, you know, I've definitely felt like that. It's like, it's something inside me that I just, I can't shake. I can't get it out of me. You know, it's like, you want to, you want to be, uh, you know, exercised, like, you know, like, uh, like, uh, an exorcism by a priest or something, you know? Um, cause and, and it feels like that it really does. So I can definitely understand like, that's how they looked at it, you know, back for really the, the, the birth of modern science. Um, the idea of depression being caused by demons and evil spirits has existed in many cultures including those of the ancient Greeks, Romans, Babylonians, Chinese, and Egyptians. Because of this belief, it was often treated with methods such as beatings, physical restraint, and starvation in an attempt to drive the demons out. Well, that'll help, huh? You know, you're sitting there being like, oh, father. Well, probably not father. I, who knows? If you're in Mesopotamia, I don't know what they would have called their uh, priests back then. I guess I'll just call them priests. A priest, I I feel like uh, just down all the time and just terrible. And, then, you know, ever since my, you know, my relative died or I lost my job, this and that, you know, everything's just been going terribly for me. I'm losing. Oh, okay. 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 Son. Uh, listen, uh, I'm going to tie you up in, in a chamber and I'm going to beat the crap out of you. Uh, we're going to starve you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what again while you're tied up in this prison and uh you'll feel better after that um you know uh, we'll, we'll let you go and you can go back to your family and all's well you know i mean i, I say so uh yeah um thank god things have changed um you know, uh, while many believe that demons were the root cause of depression, there were a number of ancient Greek and Roman doctors who believed that depression was a biological and psychological illness. So thank God for that. Um, Greek and Roman doctors used therapeutic, the, therapeutic methods such as gymnastics, massage, diet, music, baths, and a medication including containing poppy extract, <laughs> opioids. <laughs> and uh donkey's milk to treat their patients mm, nothing like nothing like opioids and donkey's milk to get your body moving you know nothing just just beat that depression back with some good old smack and milk <laughs> um so you know i guess uh yeah that it seems that things are kind of the same it just pretty much says hey diet and exercise you know uh, soothing stuff uh, massages you know it's, it's a lot of the same stuff nowadays huh um Hippocrates, I didn't know that was a real person, a Greek physician suggested that depression initially caused melancholia, which I prefer that term, by the way, was caused by four balanced body fluids called humors, yellow bile, black bile, phlegm, and blood. Specifically, he thought that melancholia was caused by too much black bile in the spleen. Hippocrates, Hippocrates, that's his name, Hippocrates, wow. Uh, treatments of choice included bloodletting, baths, exercise, and diet. A Roman philosopher in a statement named Cicero, I think that's Cicero, like Cicero, Cicero, in contrast, believed that melancholia had psychological causes such as rage, fear, and grief. In the last years before the common area, in spite of some steps towards believing in more physical and mental causes of depression, it was still a very common belief among even educated Romans that depression and other mental illnesses were caused by demons and by the anger of the gods. Well, yeah. um, 
So that's kind of how they looked at it back in the, you know, Bronze Age or the uh, Toga Age, as I would call it. Um, you know, that still we're in this this mode of like it's caused by, you know, higher powers. Um, you know, I believe in some of that, actually. I believe Satan does have a have a, a part in this, you know, uh, tormenting humans that way. Uh, I do believe, you know, depression is from uh, some evil Um but I, you know, I differ um, on certain things. But anyways, uh, now we're going to speed it up to during the common area, many barbaric and primitive treatments for depression continue to be the norm. Cornelius Celsus, who was around from 25 BCE to 50 CE, reportedly recommended the very harsh treatments of starvation, shackles, and beating in case of mental illness. Well, I guess this is back in vogue. Huh? A Persian doctor named Rezes however, did see mental illness as arising from the brain. He recommended such treatments as baths and very early form of behavioral therapy, which involved positive rewards for appropriate behavior. During the Middle Ages, religion, especially Christianity, dominated European thinking on mental illnesses, with people again attributing it to the devil. Demons, or witches, exorcisms, drowning, and burnings <laughs> Whew, were popular treatments at the time. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, drown or burn me. <laughs> Many people were locked up in so-called lunatic asylums. Well, that's, and that starts the whole, you know, depression equals craziness thing. You're crazy, that kind of thing. Anyways, while some doctors continue to seek physical causes for depression and other mental illnesses, they were in the minority. During the Renaissance, which began in 14th century Italy and spread throughout Europe during the 16th and 17th centuries, witch hunts and executions of the mentally ill were still quite common. However, some doctors were revisiting the ideal mental illness having a natural rather than a supernatural cause. In the year 1621, Robert Burton published Anatomy of Melancholy, in which he outlined the social and psychological causes of depression, such as poverty, fear, and loneliness. Hmm. In this book, he made recommendations like diet, exercise, travel, per purgatives to clear it's uh, purgatives is to clear toxins from the body bloodletting herbs and music therapy and the treatment of depression so now we're starting to kind of you know they're, they're they're starting to focus on what actually causes this stuff rather than it's a demon you know uh now we're going to speed things up more a uh, history of depression in the age of enlightenment during the 18th and 19th centuries also called the age of enlightenment Depression came to be viewed as a weakness in temperament that was inherited and could not be changed. The result of these beliefs was that people with this condition should be shunned or locked up. During the latter part of the Age of Enlightenment, doctors began to suggest the idea that aggression was at the root of the condition, the idea of that aggression. Treatments such as diet, exercise, music, and drugs were now advocated and doctors suggested that it was important to talk about your problems with your friends or a doctor. Other doctors at the time spoke of depression as resulting from internal conflicts between what you want and what you know is right, and yet others sought to identify the physical causes of this problem. Huh. Treatments during this period included water immersion, staying underwater for as long as possible without drowning, sweet, and using a spinning stool to put the brain contents back into their correct positions. <laughs> Wait, what? 
spinning stool to put the brain contents back into the correct position. Okay, well, I would just like to see how that is possible. Anyways, um, additional treatments included diet changes, enemas, enemas, you know, flush you out, change your, change your uh, mindset with a bit of butt flushing. Um, horseback riding, you know, because that, that would help, right? And vomiting. Okay. Benjamin Franklin is also reported to have developed an early form of electroshock therapy during this time. All right. History of depression in the 19th and 20th centuries. In 1895, the German psychiatrist Emil, oh boy, Krapelin, Krapelin, <laughs> became the first to distinguish manic depression, what we know as bipolar disorder, as an illness separate from dementia precox, the term for schizophrenia at the time. Around the same time, psychodynamic theory and psychoanalysis, the type of psychotherapy you base on a theory, were developed. So here we go, guys. Now we're, we're starting to get into the finer points of the science that we're, you know, starting to really develop some ideas and, and, and you know, trying to figure some stuff out about this stuff. Um, psycho, in, in 1917, Sigmund Freud wrote about mourning and melancholia where he theorized of melancholia as being a response to loss, either real, for example, a death or symbolic, such as failure to achieve the desired goal. Freud further believed that a person's unconscious anger over their loss leads to self-hatred and self-destructive behavior. He felt that psychoanalysis could help the person resolve these unconscious conflicts, reducing, the, to reducing self-destructive thoughts and behaviors. Other doctors during this time, however, saw depression as a brain disorder. Now we're going to start kind of getting into, I guess you could say, like more of the modern theory. Um, we get into the behavioralist movement and psychology contribute to the idea that behaviors are learned through experience. The behavioralists rejected the idea that depression was caused by unconscious forces and instead suggested that it was a learned behavior. Just as these depressive behaviors have been learned, they could also be unlearned. Principles of learning such as association and reinforcement could be used to establish and strengthen more effective, healthier behaviors. I don't know about this. See, I don't think depression, I think you can get it. Yeah, but I think you're more predisposed to it. I think it's 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 something you're more, more or less born with. Um, while psychologists today recognize that experiments, experience is not the sole determination of behavior, behavior. Behaviorism led to the development of a number of treatments approaches that continue to play an important role in the treatment of depression and other mental disorders. Cognitive explanations. <laughs> Turn the 1970s and 1960s, cognitive theories of depression began to emerge. The cognitive theorist Aaron Beck proposed that the way that people interpret negative events could contribute to the symptoms of depression. Beck suggested that negative automatic thoughts, negative self-beliefs, and errors in processing information were responsible for depressive symptoms. According to Beck, depressed people tend to automatically interpret events in negative ways and view themselves as helpless and inadequate. The psychologist Martin Seligman suggested that learned helplessness could play a role in the development of depression. According to this theory, people often give up on trying to change their situation because they feel that nothing they do will make a difference. This lack of control leaves people feeling helpless and hopeless. The emergence of these cognitive models of depression played an important role in the development of cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, which has been shown to be effective in the treatment of depression. 
Whew. Okay. There's a lot going on here. Uh, let's see here. Um, we're going to uh, just go a little bit further here. Uh, during the 1970s, the medical model, the medical model of the mental disorders emerged. The medical model of mental disorders emerged and suggested that all mental disorders are primarily caused by psychological factors. The medical model views mental health conditions in the same way as other physical illnesses, which means that such conditions can also be treated with medication. Biological explanations for depression focus on factors such as genetics, brain chemistry, hormones, and brain anatomy. This view played an important role in the development and an increased use of antidepressants in the treatment of depression. Now we're going to get into the 20th century treatments. During the late 19th and early 20th century, treatments for severe depression generally weren't enough to help patients. Desperate for relief, many people turned to lobotomies. <laughs> which are surgeries to destroy the brain's prefrontal lobe. Though reputed to have a calming effect, lobotomies often cause personality changes, a loss of decision-making ability, poor judgment, and sometimes even death. Yeah, because, you know, you don't want to turn into a fucking zombie. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I feel a little bit better. I'm calm, but, you know, uh, I can't fucking think. <laughs> Come on, man. Lecture can Electroconlusive electroshock therapy, let's just call it that, which is electroshock applied to the scalp in order to induce a seizure, was also used for patients with depression. <sighs> in the 1950s and 60s, doctors divided depression into subtypes of endogenous depression, was thought to neurotic or reactive and neurotic reactive pressure was thought to be a result from genetics or some other physical defect while the neurotic or reactive type of depression was believed to be the result of some outside problems such as a death or loss of job in the 1940s were an important decade or 50s were an important decade in the treatment of depression thanks to the fact that doctors noticed a tuberculosis medication called isoniazid why can't they just call it other shit instead of some weird like insomnia has it. Why don't you just call it like cold pill? <laughs> Seemed to be helpful in treating depression in some people where depression treatment had previously been focused only on psychotherapy. Drug therapies now started to be developed and added to the mix. In addition, new schools of thought such as cognitive behavior and family systems theory emerge as alternatives to psychodynamic theory and depression treatment. <sighs> and, um, Let's get to how depression is understood today. The term major depressive disorder, MDD, was first introduced by clinicians in the United States during the 1970s. The condition officially became part of the DSM-3 in 1980. The current edition of the Diagnostic Manual is a DSM-5 and is one of the primary tools used in the diagnosis of, diagnosis, diagnosis of depression disorders. While the condition is much better understood today than it was in the past, researchers are still working to learn more about the causes of depression. At the present time, doctors believe that depression arises from a combination of multiple causes, including biological, psychological, and social factors. Modern views of depression incorporate an understanding of the many symptoms of this condition, as well as the often clinical effect that the symptoms can have. For example, depression can cause disturbances in sleep, appetite, and activity levels in turn, poor sleep, diet, and exercise can exacerbate symptoms of depression. 
In addition to considering the psychological factors that contribute to depression, doctors are also aware that certain medical conditions such as hyper whatever may cause depression include they di- can may cause depressive symptoms. Diagnosis of depression includes ruling out other medical conditions such as possible causes such as alcohol or substance abuse. Thanks to improved understanding of Understanding the cause of depression, effective treatments have emerged. Psychotherapy and medications that target molecules called neurotransmitters are generally preferred treatments. Although electroconvulsive therapy may be utilized in certain instances, such as treatment-resistant depression, or severe cases where immediate relief is required. Unfortunately, the causes of depression are more complex than we yet understand. <sighs> wow. Yeah, that, that makes me feel better. <laughs> With no single treatment providing satisfactory results for everyone because depression is such a complex condition. Mental health professionals often recommend a treatment approach that includes medications, psychotherapies, and lifestyle modification. So, <laughs> now that we all know that, right? Um, yeah, guys, you know, <sighs> It's a lot, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot to unpack. Um, so this isn't anything new. Depression has been with us. It's, you know, some people think it's like, Oh, it's one of these new diseases. You know, there's no such thing as depression. You're just down for a little bit. You can, you know, get your ass up, get yourself together, you know, go out there and do this. Like, yeah, shut up. You know, this has been around for a very long time. Okay. Um, and you know, yeah, it sucks. Like, you know, some people think it's not that big of a deal and, you know, get over it, that kind of thing. But the problem is, uh, is that with all these, this info and experience, um, you would think that people would have more understanding and sympathy, uh, for their fellow humans. But instead I found, uh, that people mostly have contempt for those that have this darkness. Um, the darkness as, you know, this unwanted companion. And I think it, it, it usually starts um, when you're a kid. Um, you know, um, some stuff about, it's kind of sad, you know, I, I mean, because this is when it started for me is when I was a little kid, you know. Um, I, I really got teased a lot about my weight because I was always kind of a fat kid and you know, don't give me the, Oh, you're, you're just chubby. You're big. No, I was fat. Okay. <laughs> I was fat. Um, and I hated criticism and I hated being picked on and I just wanted people to like me and I just wanted people to get along with me. And I just wanted to, you know, when you're a kid, you just want to play and you want to be with your friends and you want to just do all the same thing everyone else is doing. But you know, like I think back in the eighties for some reason, cause there was such a push for people to be healthy that, um, you know, you felt like a pariah, you know, almost, uh, excuse me. I got to mess with the mic real quick. You felt like a pariah. You felt like you were less than a human. You know, some people really laid into me on certain things, you know, and I, I didn't have a lot of confidence. So I didn't feel like I could stick up for myself in a lot of situations. Uh, you know, of course things are different now. Um, 
but the thing is that many children, and I'm just going to talk to you guys. Uh, this is from the CDC uh, website about anxiety and depression in children. Um, anxiety and depression affect many children. 9.4% of children aged 3 to 17 years had diagnosed anxiety from 2016 to 2019. 4.4% of children aged 3 to 17 years, approximately 2.7 million, have diagnosed depression in 2016-19. So this is kind of troublesome. Uh, anxiety and depression have increased over time. Uh, ever having been diagnosed with either anxiety or depression among children aged 6 to 17 years increased from 5.4% in 2003 to 8% in 2007 and 8.4% in 2011-2012. Ever having been diagnosed with anxiety among children aged 6 to 17 years increased from 55 in 2007 to 6.4 in 2012. So yeah, um, but here's, here's where I, I think the rubber meets the road is Ever having been diagnosed with depression, these are um, questions you know they're asking. Ever having been diagnosed with depression among children aged six to seventeen years did not change between two thousand seven, which is four point seven, and two thousand twelve, four point nine. So it seems like we're we're quicker to want to be diagnosed with the anxiety than we are with the depression it's easier for people to admit that they have anxiety than it is for them to say they're depressed because i think when people say that they're depressed it takes a it takes like a lot to say that you know i'm depressed i'm suicidal i'm this you know um and, and again I, I i believe i believe it's uh it's from the stigma of it and you know this is the thing man i was getting teased i couldn't i couldn't you know i tried to tell my my parents certain things but you know this is the 80s so parents just kind of did this like oh you know you gotta toughen up you gotta man up you gotta do this shit you know and it's like and i and i wasn't good at that you know um i was a sensitive young man uh and i guess that's what kind of does me in is my sensitivity um it sucks man um again the inhumanity we show each other even as kids can really scar uh you um you know uh i just it and that's just where it all started i i, I got this feeling of like i wasn't good enough you know um that uh I had nothing to uh, offer the world. I had nothing to give the world. I had nothing to give anybody. You know, I couldn't talk to girls because I was too shy. I couldn't even talk to my friends, my peers, guys, you know, because I was so shy and I was scared that people were going to make fun of me because I was fat. I remember, God, mm. I'll be honest with you guys, man. One of the most terrible things that I, I, I'm sorry, man, I'm 41. I get it. And I, I'm sorry to be talking about my childhood, but you know, I know right now there's someone listening that has a kid that's going through things at school right now with bullies. And, um, the best thing I could tell you guys, I mean, honestly, and this is what we're going to tell do with our children is they do need to learn to defend themselves and learn some kind of martial arts or something like that. Um, cause it gives them confidence and direction and guidance. And that's, that's the route we're taking. Um, I would suggest that totally for your kids. Uh, I, I, I wish I would have done something like that. I got into hockey, you know, so, <laughs> um, 
And, you know, I was lucky because I had some really great friends that stuck by, stuck by me through a lot of stuff and did understand what I was going through. But uh, um, the, the being made fun of for being fat thing made me quiet, which made me being made fun of because of being shy and because of having both of those things go on. You get this like, oh, you're a fag thing, you know, this stupid shit that you heard back in the 90s. Um, you know, so it's like. Yeah, it just it, it really um, kind of got to me. Um, but one of the things that really stuck with me, man, like I remember me and a couple of my buddies, Anton was one of them. We were skating down, uh, rollerblading down a road to go into one of my friends' house, and we were gonna go play hockey. And I was dressed up in all my pads, right? I had some, I had my shins on, I had my had a hockey jersey on, I had a. Uh, some thigh pads on, you know, like my, they call them pants, but they're like, you know, padded, um, shorts, I guess you could say that are, you know, to, if you get hit by a puck or get hit by someone else or they're padding, you know, so they, it looks like when you have all your pads on your gloves, everything, it makes you look really big and puffy, you know? And I skated by this group of girls. Of course, I, <laughs> course me being me i as i was skating by them i kind of tripped on something i didn't fall over or anything but i kind of like had a second where i kind of shook for a second i was like and i even went whoa like that and i skated by these girls and one of them said were you just born fat or oh and they all started laughing man and i i can take being made fun of by guys when i was a kid but girls no no nope uh, that really hurt. It really hurt. And it stuck with me a long time. I'm cool with it now, but again, I don't want my kids to ever have to deal with it. Now, I'm not saying turn around and whoop the girl's ass, obviously. That would be fucking sadistic. But, you know, just learn how to let it roll off. I wish I could have, but I internalized everything, you know. Um, and I'm still to this day very sensitive to criticism. Uh, depends on the situation. If it's needed, fine. If it's unnecessary, no. Um, so, I guess you guys could hear my dog in the background barking. Uh, anyway, so um, I'm gonna stop there and you know, kind of just uh, you know, stop with my childhood and all that. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's where it started. That's where the darkness started was my childhood. And I, and, and, and I just wanted to be someone else. Um, if there was anything that ever displayed any song that ever displayed anything about how I felt, um, it was that Radiohead song, that creep song. If you guys ever heard that, I just always felt like I wanted to be someone else, you know, um, always. Um, things did get better. My God, those people in the background, my freaking family, I told them I was trying to record this, but I guess, eh, whatever. <laughs> uh, anyways, they're having a good time. You know, kids need to have a good time. Um, that's the way it should be. That's the way childhood should be is, 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 is having a good time and playing. And you should be able to hold on to that your entire life and not be so damn worried. But anyways, I'll be right back. So, 
not everyone gets taken down by this thing, this darkness. Uh, there's actually a lot of people that have in, you know, through time that have learned how to, um, live with this, I guess you could say, or, or, or even some people, hell, they've, they've, uh, they've taken it and, uh, you know, I guess you can say made it their bitch. Like, you know, like some people, um, have been able to take it and, and use it as a positive for them. Like it, it kept them moving, you know, like they, they didn't sit around and think about it. They just, they just always made sure they were busy. Um, uh, one that comes to mind is Theodore Roosevelt. You know, he always said, get action. Uh, you know, he grew up kind of his own, had his own demons and issues. He always did. He had some bad stuff happen to him in his early twenties. And he just, uh, went on, you know, safaris and was a very, you know, man's man, even though he did not grow up that way. He grew up as a dandy, a frail boy that was sick all the time. Um, you know, very, uh, uh, introverted at, when he was young. And then, you know, he kind of turned on that and just kind of, uh, you know, he called it get action. He always wanted to, to, to be, uh, you know, uh, doing something, uh, movement, movement, you know, keep myself, keep my feet moving, um, keep active, keep busy. Uh, so that, you know, he didn't have to think about his version of the darkness. Um, but anyways, not everybody gets taken down by this. Uh, I give anyone, anyone who gets stronger from their experiences, uh, I give them all the credit in the world, man. For, for, to have this kind of thing going on and somehow they actually get stronger, dude. Um, I've always wondered why we can take so many separate paths. Like some people, there's some of us that absorb the pain and they, you know, for whatever reason, people know them as weak because they absorb it. They turn, you know, they, 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 they take it in and they, they stew in it. And I'm kind of halfway there. You know, I can get that way. I can get really down. And, um, the others that, you know, the theater Roosevelt types that are very, you know, you know, they, they, they have these things to have, or they have this, this, you know, depression, this darkness, they, this melancholia, um, they actually have it happen to them. And like I said, they, they do the opposite thing. They're, they, they, they get action. They, they keep themselves moving, you know, working, 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 you know, diving into this project, that project, or, you know, really trying to, to stay active all the time. Um, and, and, you know, they, those are considered strong people, you see, or the people that sit there and get, you know, shit face and, and, and they're just angry, bitter little fuckers, um, you know, and take it out on other people instead of internalizing it, you know, they're, they're, quote unquote strong. Um, and, uh, the thing is, you know, there's been so many that have had the darkness and there's more people that have it than most people know of. Um, there's actually lots of famous people over time that have had it. And just real quick, real quick, I'm going to do a short little list of just some, you know, people through time that have had this thing. Uh, First one, um, Winston Churchill, you know, the great uh, British uh, leader during World War II. He had it, had it in spades. Um, Patty Duke, 
Linda Hamilton, you know, she was in Terminator, so she was badass. Um, Isaac Newton, uh, Brooke Shields, Vincent Van Gogh, of course, a lot of people knew about that. Uh, Beethoven, um, Terry Bradshaw. You know, there, there's been a lot of people, but I think the one that really speaks to me is Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, by far, by far, by leaps and bounds, was our most depressed president we've ever had. Uh, It's just a fact, man, that the the things he said about himself, the, the, the things that he went through, um, you know, and guys, honestly, this gives me hope. This gives me hope. If there's any historical uh, figure that I've really been into, that I've gotten into lately, that have given me hope about my life, that I can overcome this stuff and somehow really make something in my life and, and, and you know, heed the calls that I get in my life and really take advantage of the situations that I get, um, it's Abraham Lincoln. Uh, because, you know, this guy was born, number one, he's born in a log cabin, literally in the middle of nowhere. His, his, his first thing that happens is his grandparents die. Um, uh, and then his mother dies of the milk sickness, which is a absolutely horrendous, um, disease that was afflicting people back in the early 1800s. Um, you know, they, it, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a painful, long, terrible visual, uh, disease, uh, you know, people's tongues turned black. So he had to watch this as his mother died. Um, him and his father and his sister lived out in a log cabin out literally in the middle of nowhere, miles and miles and miles away from civilization. His mother dies. His father is a very hard and, and angry man, uh, very, you know, just man of his times, I guess, man of his times, a man of his uh, station in life. And he was just a poor dirt farmer, uh, like I said, living in his long cabin. And, and you know, they, Lincoln has to help make the box for his mother to be buried in and, you know, put her in the coffin and nail it. And, you know, he's observing all this. Uh and then his father literally leaves him and his sister alone for months to go get another wife, as he said. Um, just live, you know, they had to had the crowns live for themselves. They had to hunt, they had to get food, and, and just terrible. Uh, when uh, his new mom, his stepmom shows up, who was a lovely woman, by the way, she really encouraged um, his talents in life um, and kind of protected him from her father, from his father, who was a very mean, strict man. Um, and, uh, you know, she really did believe in Abraham, uh, what he could offer the world, uh, which is wonderful. And she cultivated all of his gifts. She, she helped him read, taught him to read, you know, um, and he loved books, loved books. Uh, he was, he was a self-taught man. I mean, he did all these wonderful things. Um, and of course his sister dies when he's older, his father dies. Um, and, you know, he, one of the things Abraham wanted to do more than anything else is, is get from underneath his shadow. He did not want the same life as his dad. So he leaves, uh, he has an opportunity to go down, uh, I think it was the Mississippi river on a, on a river boat. And, uh, he takes that advantage when he's younger. Um, eventually he ends up in a, um, 
in a town in, in uh, Illinois where he, uh, he learns the law, teaches himself. He was self-taught. He's the greatest autodidact uh, man we've ever had in this country, I think. But he taught himself the law, uh, you know, takes his law exam, of course, passes it. Um, and he meets a woman named Ann Rutledge that he falls in love with. Well, she dies. And he goes through a horrific depression, horrific depression, where he talks about killing himself constantly. Uh, it got to a point where his friends had to, you know, take away all the, all the knives around him or anything that could possibly pierce him, his skin because he was really constantly talking about suicide. Um, he... Uh, he felt so inferior also because of, you know, in his mind, he wasn't the best looking man. He was tall. He was gangly, skinny. He had kind of a nasally voice. So if you hear, you know, growing up, of course, we watch Abraham Lincoln. So for he has a very deep voice, like from Bill and Ted, you know, very deep. That's not how Lincoln sounded at all. Um, you know, he's very nasally, very, you know, so, uh, uh, yeah, it, He's very self-conscious, very self-conscious, but he makes up with it because he loves humor and he loves to tell funny stories. And that's one thing he did get from his dad. A couple of good things, great things he got from his dad, the hatred of slavery um, and also uh, just how to tell a story. Lincoln was great at telling stories, great at making jokes. Um, and that was the thing about him. He told jokes because he said in his own words, if I did not laugh, I would cry. So when Aunt Rutledge passes away, he goes through a terrible depression for quite a long time. His best friend at the time, Joshua Speed, who actually shared a bed with, that's how close they were. Now, that doesn't mean that they're gay. Like that just means back in the 1800s, men short used to share beds because of the, you know, absence of lodging and beds back in the day. These things were expensive and, and many men used to share a bed at a time if they were traveling like he did. Um, you know, Lincoln used to travel what was called the legal circuit back in the day where, you know, he went from town to town representing people that need to be represented in the state of Illinois. Um, and uh, during that depression, you know, he wouldn't even let himself keep a pen knife on him because he would have wanted to you know, slit his wrist. So he goes through it. And, uh, you know, that was not the last time. Uh, again, when he gets uh, engaged to marry Todd, his eventual wife, he goes through another one where he's, again, feeling inferior. Uh, you know, and she was, I don't think she was possibly the right woman for him because she was very needy. He was very distant. Um, she constantly constantly need to be reassured and admired and loved and, and, and checked up on and Lincoln was just not that way you know he was kind of in his own head all the time and if anybody can understand that that would be me um and I don't know <laughs> you know I I I, I 
I hate to say, you know, wrong woman because she wasn't the wrong woman. Now, they say that if he would have married a more of a domestic type of woman that was nurturing to him and all that, he probably would have just been a great lawyer in the state of Illinois and had this family and all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But because Mary Todd was ambitious herself and wanted to find her things in life, she she kind of pushed him, you know, to be in politics. And, you know, he becomes a, a congressman. uh and uh, he serves in the U.S. Congress, and then he loses a Senate bid to uh, Stephen Douglas, a man that he ended up running against president, uh, presidential race in 1860 and, and beats him. But um, he loses back then, I think it was in the early 1850s, a Senate seat to Douglas. And uh, he goes through a massive depression because all in his mind, he was meant to do something. He always was ambitious. He always told himself that he... He was meant for bigger things, and he was he was not going to be satisfied unless he did something for this world. That uh, you know he would he did not want to go and die before the world knew who he was, before he made his mark on the world. And um, he um, he goes through a terrible depression again. Uh, feels like he's just useless, and that he hasn't given the world anything, and that he's just miring in the muck and going through his time of, of just formulating his ideas and his opinions and what he feels. And this is during the, you know, the, the, the crises of, of America in the 1850s of the lead up to the civil war. Um, and yeah, he, he does agree to you know, do that. Anyways. Um, eventually. Uh, he has a son, his first son, who dies. And then he uh, runs against Stephen Douglas. He becomes president. Uh, they, Him and his wife had a total of four children. Uh, two of them died, the first one. And then uh, he has Robert, who lives to an older age. Um, and he has another son, uh, Willie, who Abraham Lincoln felt like out of all of his kids, uh, Willie was most like him, very, you know, kind of introverted, kind of studious, uh, just a great little kid, you know. And uh, when they go to the White House, uh, Willie dies of uh, typhoid fever. And Lincoln is so devastated by this. And I could, I could totally I could totally understand this. I would totally be like this. Um, the crypt in which Willie is buried coffin in the crypt um or i'm sorry the, the what, what they call the mausoleum or whatever at the cemetery uh, lincoln from time to time after his son is dead in the coffin will go it's above ground coffin he will go and take the cover off the coffin and stare at his son stare at his son that's pretty deep, man. I don't know about you, but that's that's deep. That's deep. I don't know how I could recover. If anything happened to my kids, God, for freaking bid, knock on wood, you know, if anything happened to my kids, I don't know how I could survive that. I don't know. But he lost two of them. Um, 
while he's president, we have the civil war going on and he went through so many, so many periods of melancholy, so many times of talking about suicide, about how he just wished that he was dead. I mean, there is so many quotes um, from him about, uh, you know, just how he was feeling during time. And he, you know, he's like me. He did not hold these things back. He let people know how he felt. Um, so I'm going to just read some of the quotes that he said. Uh, one of them is, I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were felt by the whole human race, there would not be one cheerful face left on earth. That's deep, man. You know, that's deep. Um, it's deep. Um, in this sad world of ours, sorrow comes to all and it often comes with bitter agony. Perfect relief is not possible except with time. You cannot now believe that you will ever feel better. But this is not true. You are sure to be happy again. Knowing this, truly believing it, will make you less miserable now. I have had enough experience to make this statement. I mean, it's just, he's just, he's, you know, he's, 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 he's hopeful about things, you know, um, that he could get better. Um, but the thing is, is that he, he believes he can get better, but he also believes that this is just, it's just terrible. Um, that he, that he's mired in this, And this, you know, in this, this bitterness, this, 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 this agony that he went through his entire life. Uh, yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty deep stuff, man. And, you know, there's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel a, a bit of. Why is it that all men who have become outstanding in philosophy, statements, and poetry or the arts are melancholic? It just sucks that someone has to go through things, you know, like that, um, that he had to. I don't know. But he, you know, he rose himself up and, and, and you know, he, like I said, he would always try to tell funny stories and stuff like that. Like his cabinet hated his ass. Like when he would have to meet with his cabinet because he would start it with a, he'd start his meetings with a joke or something like that or a funny story usually about him. I mean, he took things in stride, you know. Um, but people said they would walk in on him and his head would be in his hands, you know, totally just rubbing his temples and rubbing his face and, and, you know, just totally self-absorbed in himself. Um, and, you know, that's how he dealt with it. Um, of course, you know, he died he was assassinated and, you know, God only knows how he would have turned out the rest of his life. Cause see, after the civil war was coming to an end, he did feel hopeful about the future, but I don't know. We'll never know. Um, and 
but you know, back to myself, I feel when I'm in these dark moods, I feel like I'm stuck, like I'm in a black pool and I can't climb out of it. Um, I'll get to the shallow end from time to time, but um, it consumes me. And I slip on the steps and I slide back into the abyss. And the sad thing is, is I uh, reach out for help. And when someone holds out a hand, I slap it away. But I'll tell you this, I do have a great faith in God. And I know in my heart of hearts that I have this for a reason, that, that, that I'm this way for a reason, that there, there is something I was made this way to, to be this way for a reason. It's not just, you know, coincidence. Um, the problem is one of the things though, is that there's a lot of young people, uh, especially who do not have the structure. Um, a power to lean on. Uh, they actually, a lot of them nowadays, young, young people reject it. Um, and I think they would rather take the path of victimhood, that they're a victim, you know, that this has, that, that this was not supposed to happen to them, that someone did this to them. And they take that path to uh, victimhood and bitterness. And the thing is, I can lead to two very, very, extreme possibilities that victimhood, the bitterness. Um, well, the first one is you may harm others possibly, possibly it does. I'm not saying I guarantee that guarantees that. And then the other one is self harm. And like, I, I don't know. That's It's a serious thing, man. It's nothing to sneeze at. It really isn't. Um, I can understand why I can understand. I can understand the one of them, the, uh, the self harm one. Cause I, I felt that way myself. Um, I cannot understand the other, uh, my only desire in the past is to rid the earth of myself and not cause anyone harm. I wouldn't want to give anyone a reason to feel down because of something I did to, to someone that they loved someone else that didn't deserve it. Um, there's a lot of examples of people who have the darkness and they decide that they need to take it out on someone else that it's their someone else, it's society's fault and other people must pay. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer comes to mind. Um, his loneliness and depression manifested into a desire to kill. And he would turn his victims into zombies who can, who he could, you know, control. Um, someone that would never leave him. And, but on the same time, not want to touch him. He was a very, very, very strange guy. Um, or ask him anything of, uh, ask anything of him. And depression can make you so very self-absorbed that your whole day is filled 
with thoughts of your own pain and how terrible things feel and how sometimes it seems like no one cares. You know, I've thought many times, why should I fight to stay alive? Why? Why am I fighting this? Why am I constantly at, in a battle with myself? You know, why, why do I have to go through something like this? Why shouldn't I just give up and, and, and just, you know, give into it? Um, you know, uh, there are some, there's a quote that I read last week and I'm telling you, man, like I, I, I heard this quote and it just, it, it hit my head like a ton of bricks, man. Like, like what depression really is. And depression is living in a body that fights to survive with a mind that tries to die. And I never heard it put that way. And it made perfect sense. Your body's trying to revive. It's trying to live. It's trying to survive. And depression tells your brain, it's your brain constantly. This darkness tells you, you need to die. You need to expire. It is too much. It is too hard. Life is too much for you to go on. I've had to deal with that so many times. Um, and I've had to fight it every single time. Every single time. Um, and that, that's a real, real thing, man. There's so many people out there walking around. Uh, that feel this way, you know. And, and I just... There's got to be something there for them. Like... It, or else you turn out like this, you know, and here's one from Robin Williams. And this is very true. This is exactly why I'm doing this right now is that I think the saddest people always try their hardest to make people happy because they know what it's like to feel absolutely worthless. And they don't want anyone else to feel like that. I know what it feels like to feel worthless. I, I know what that feeling is. To feel like you're nothing, like you just do not matter and that the best possible decision you can make is to just leave. It, 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 I don't know how to explain it to you guys. I don't have this thing. It's not rational. I don't try to conjure this up. I don't sit there and think, oh, gee, I'm thinking about, no, I, I want everyone around me to be happy and I'm sorry I'm doing this, guys. I'm not looking for whatever. I'm just looking to, to, to reach out to someone out there that might be, you know, going through it themselves, that you're not alone. You're not alone and you're not weak. God made you this way for a reason and, and, and you're a beautiful person inside because you have to, you're twice as strong because you have to deal with this every day. So you're stronger than the normal person. So anyways, um, I'll be right back. So here we go, guys. This is the uh, serious part of this. And because it needs to be discussed, 
the suicidal angle. Uh, it's the decision that can't be altered. And it's unredeemable. And unfortunately, so many people say so many things afterwards. Um, if I only knew they felt this way, they never gave any indication or signs that they were going to do this, you know. Or I'm going to call bullshit on some people about that because, uh, you know, granted, this does happen. Some people don't give warning signs. And they have the ability to hide the darkness. They, 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 they have that thing where they can kind of put on a mask, you know, and not let anybody in. A lot of people do that, you know. So there are, uh, believe me, I, when I say I, I call bullshit, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that because, you know, a lot of people are very good at hiding who they really are. Um, you know, and then you have people like me that wear it on my sleeve you know, uh, of how I feel about things or how I'm feeling, you know, and I don't know how that makes me seem to other people. I know some people don't like it, but you know, kiss my ass, whatever. Um, I, I, I need to be clear about something is that I, I do not in any way, shape or form condone or understand or applaud the absolute terribly 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 selfish choice of killing yourself i don't i don't i do not i don't no 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 it is not the right choice it is never the right choice it is not the right path to take ever um and at the same time i don't condone those that would drive someone that's so vulnerable to this, to this end, and it does happen quite a bit. Um, these days, the numbers are clear uh, that suicide is on the rise in all points of the earth. And, of course, young people are always the highest group affected by this, um, this desperate act. Uh, I'm just going to give you a couple quick, you know, statistics about suicide. Um, suicide rates increase approximately 36% between 2000 and 2001. Suicide was responsible for 48,183 deaths in 2021, which is about one death every 11 minutes. The number of people who think about it or attempt suicide is even higher. In 2021, an estimated 12.3 million American adults seriously thought about suicide. 3.5 million planned a suicide attempt and 1.7 million attempted suicide. In 2021, suicide was among the top nine leading causes for death for people ages 10 to 64. Suicide was the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 14, 20 34. You know, it's uh, the financial toll suicide, like any, like this matters. It's just a statistic, though, of 2021 suicide and non-fatal self-harm cost the nation over $500 billion in medical costs.
it's just it's so terrible to to, 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 to be to be caught to, to be caught in this web and you just don't feel like you can get out of it guys sometimes like you try i believe me guys believe me for those that you don't for 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 for, for those of you that don't know or can't understand it People like us, we fight like lions to, to stay alive. We fight our asses off to try to rid ourselves of this, to shake it off, to be better people. And there's nothing I want more than to be a better person. To, to have my kids look at me like I'm a good man. And I it's so hard for me to feel that way. It's so things I've done and I know you know to some people if I explain it to them they're like oh Jeff that's that you're being over dramatic I'm not being over I can't change the way I feel inside man I wish I could but for some reason I can never feel like I'm good enough and I'm trying though guys I'm trying okay I just want you to know I'm trying hard to change that about myself, to, to know that I, I can love myself and that. And I know God loves me and I love my family. And I would never hurt myself because of my family. I could never, ever, 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 ever leave my children orphans or, or, or not orphans, but, you know, fatherless. I would never hurt my wife. I would never hurt my kids that way. But the feeling of wanting to just leave, that I feel like I'm not doing enough for them and I'm not a good enough man and I'm not making this podcast work and I'm not making my job work and I'm not making the things I need to do and then I'm lazy and I'm fat and I'm fucking useless and it's just a constant loop that never, it never stops. Like I said, it's that dark voice, that little whisper that constantly just, instead of reassuring you, just puts you down and makes you think that you're nothing. And the reason I called that, you know, calling bullshit on that about how I didn't know, you know, is because, and I'm not trying to trigger any or hurt anyone, but some people know or suspect that someone's going to do something themselves, but either they really just don't care or they're just too wrapped up in their own life to care. And I think the numbers point or help to point to the fact that this society is so friggin' self-absorbed and selfish and it's just getting worse. So what's my point? Like, why did I drone on about this such a, a dark, dark subject? Um, and to be honest, well, uh, Anton wasn't around on the screen, so uh, my brain has been like a late 90s screensaver just bouncing around. So, uh, no, honestly, um, this has been something that me and others that live with this have lived with. And it's serious, and it's something that still doesn't get the reflection it deserves. It's still looked at as something you choose to be or that you're you're weak and you just need to be strong and god i hate that because i think that's the biggest asshole move someone makes is questioning someone's courage 
I mean, it's easy to criticize when maybe you had a better coping mechanism or you have support in different times of need in your life. Um, some people just don't have it. Okay. Some people don't have it. And in this day of uh, knowledge at your fingertips, uh, we have entire centuries of psych, like I've read them off, of psychological uh, studies uh, right here to show us proof that this is not a strength disorder. Like this is not someone being weak. This is, this is, this is something that people cannot control and they, God, they wish they could. You know, I don't know a person alive that has this thing that's happy to have it or chooses to have it. Um, because I tell you this, those that carry this burden with them every day and still get out of bed and live and work and love and pray are some of the bravest people, the bravest of the brave that, that exist. And don't forget that. I'm serious, guys. Don't forget that. The, the, the people that, that have this and, and they just decide, you know, the health and I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a family. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strive to achieve my dreams. Be Abraham Lincoln. Those are the strongest of the strong because they, they're they not just, you know, they don't have the, the, the shiny, happy people crap going off in their heads all day. You know, that oh, life is just a gift and it's just it's everything is great. You know, they don't have that going on. They think, Life is horrible, and I hate being here, and I wish I was dead. But they still keep going, man. They still try their hardest to have a good life and be a good person when they could choose the complete alternate course of that. Um, and I'm serious. There's people that just need help, love, compassion. They need to know that someone cares. And by the way, they aren't looking for attention. Okay, again, that no one, we're not people like this are not looking. Oh, please pay attention. No, they don't want that shit. Most most of them don't want a spotlight. They just want to be normal, and they want to try to imagine life where they can find happiness. Sometimes they do, but many times. They don't, you know, um, they don't and they don't say anything and live life in silence, dying inside slowly. And they live seemingly happy lives with, or, or they live seemingly happy lives with no one the wiser. Um, this is society's. I would say societies wish most of the time just shut up and trudge along. And then um, and there's some people that are quiet and then you go to work one day and they hang themselves in the bathroom. Yeah, it happens. And all anyone ever says again is why didn't they say something? <laughs> and then there's those that complain. I guess uh, you can say that they do speak up and then they lose people, you know, they lose people that they thought were there for them because, you know, that's too much to ask. It's too, it's too weird for me, man. And, and, and I don't want to hear it. You know, I got my own problems, you know, <laughs> and, but then sometimes they do find help. 
but it's not enough, and they go on fighting alone. Or, 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 the miracle happens. They find help. They find a great circle of family or friends, and they overcome, and they know they're loved, and it's unconditional. And God, I really hope and pray that that's me. You know that that I that that I that I have this miracle, and and, and believe me, I I am thankful, thankful that I have my, I, I love my family. And they have been there for me, and I love my wife, and I love my kids. And I believe it is me, and I believe this miracle is going to happen. I believe I'm going to overcome this thing. And I, yeah, I've had it since I was a little kid. It's been 40 years, but you know what? It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. Things can happen. Miracles can happen. They happen every freaking day, man. And this is why I'm doing this. And to the person still there, still listening right now, still through all this, you know, this podcast, still listening to it. Because I drone on about a lot of stuff, man. If you're still listening uh, and you're like me and you're out there, you know, you're not alone, man. You're not alone. And you are not weak. You're not weak. Okay? You're a fighter. You're a strong, capable person. And you're fighting against a foe that is fierce, but you can beat this. But the fight will never end. And it'll knock you on your ass. And when you drop your guard, it'll knock you down again. But you get up and you fight again. And remember what that famous poet said. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of light. That's what I call the darkness as the dying of the light. And we got to rage against it. And that was Dylan Thomas. So, look guys, I thank you for listening. And, uh, and if you or someone you know or yourself is getting tired of fighting the darkness, um, they're just, you can just tell it on their face. They're, they're just getting tired of fighting. Or it's you yourself. Please, please, please reach out to anyone, a coworker, a friend, a family member, a, a, a church, synagogue, temple, anyone. There is help. I, I promise you there is help. And I'm not trying to be preaching, man, but the, the, I just... If anyone was listening to this and they get anything out of it, you know, um, and if you need it, uh, you can always call, uh, just call 988 on your phone uh, for the uh, suicide prevention hotline. Uh, you can text that number as well, 988. Uh, most states do have a crisis support service. Uh, you can find them online, of course, and they do have the crisis text line, which is a, a newer thing, I believe. I I've never had to use this stuff, but um, it's called the crisis text line. Uh, just text the word home to 741741. Uh, and last and certainly not least, go to uh, finehelp.com. So, uh, guys, really, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And if you really got 
<laughs> if you really got no one, um, just contact me at danebramish2023 at gmail.com or reach out to me on Facebook. Um, and I'm sorry this episode was long, but I feel like maybe, just maybe, I did something good for once. Uh, that I did something, something, I put this out there, maybe it will help someone. I, I hope. Uh, that, that that I did something that was not just about me, that was, you know, other people out there um, that may need to hear it. Um, so thank you guys. Uh, God bless you all. And, you know, we'll get back to the normal uh somewhat funny stuff soon um you know anton will be be getting around again uh, but listen guys I, I thank you for listening i really do i thank you for listening to this podcast this is something i wanted to do for quite a long time uh it took me a while to to get it all together and write it all out but uh again i, I thank you guys so much um i love you guys and uh you know god bless y'all um just rage against that dying of light. Just keep fighting. God bless.